Welcome to the GoBundance Podcast, the audio channel for healthy, wealthy, generous men who choose to lead epic lives. You know, the problem with most successful guys is they are awesome, yet at the same time, they suck. <laughs> They're too one-dimensional. Like, they have big, fat money, but also a big, fat gut. <laughs> or the opposite. They may look good as hell naked, but if you look in their savings account, they're as broke as a $3 watch. Some may have both muscle strength and financial strength, but they've been divorced five times and their kids don't even speak to them. Some have huge smiley family portraits in their foyer, but not a single friend that's honest and objective with them. Some may be gregarious as hell, surrounded by people and hugs galore, but their charitable giving is shameful. Come on, man. Really? That's all you gave back? I think you get my point by now. At GoBundance, we know we're not perfect, but our goal is to be better. Better multidimensionally in six simple categories. We call these our pillars. Number one, horizontal income. Number two, age-defying health. Number three, bucket list adventures. Number four, genuine contribution. Number five, authentic relationships. And number six, extreme accountability. So speaking of number six, let's dig into this week's interview with a GoBro. And you can tell me. Is he walking the talk or is he a false prophet? <laughs> Hello and welcome to the GoBundance podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Gruber. And today we welcome in a fairly new GoBundance brother, a guy I met out in Tahoe. He is an oil and gas uh, executive owner of a big company there. He's been in the NASCAR industry, nutrition. He's a serial entrepreneur. Brandon Davis. Welcome, brother. Oh, thanks for having me. And actually, you called and harassed me a few times before we met in Tahoe, if you recall. This is true. In the middle of, uh, what, what do you call it? Snowmageddon or whatever the hell they called it. Uh, whatever it was, I'm glad it happened. <laughs> me too. Me too. It's great to connect <laughs> with you today. Great to have you here. So let's get your story. You, uh, you, you've had some tremendous success in the industries that you're in. Give us kind of the backstory of you. Where are you from? Where'd you grow up? And take us all the way up through today. It's a long story. You sure you want to go into all that? I'm ready, man. I'm ready. All right. Okay. Well, I, I'm from Western Oklahoma. Grew up small towns. Um, and I say towns because I moved around a lot. Um, I believe I at one point I counted that I changed schools 20 times between kindergarten and graduating high school. And uh, no, just no, no, no. This was all with, for the most part within you know 60 miles of of, of each other. Just parents divorced when I was young financial hardships, parents and grandparents, and it was just all over the place. So I did what I had to do and survived. And, you know, honestly, I'm glad that all of that happened. It, it made it made it easy for me to adapt and move, which is what I do now in business. So uh, whatever, whatever all caused all that, I'm glad it, it happened the way it did, because it's really opened my eyes to, you know, to, to new things and, and finding and, and figuring out how to get in and talk to people and, and understand situations that, you know, if I had been in the same place my whole life and been been privileged in that regard. I don't think I'd be the same person. So I'm very pleased uh, with how it turned out, but it was, it was definitely a ride. <laughs> so I uh, went to college, played football my freshman year, decided that I'd rather, uh, rather make money. And so I, I switched to a community college and a full-time job. And that led to five years of three or four part-time jobs at the same time and a little bit of school. And finally, I just gave up on that. Um, I actually had a job where I started making decent money. Um, you know, I was in 2000s, early 2000s. I was making $20,000, $25,000 a month um, selling wow. uh, vacation memberships. Nice. So it's like timeshare, but not. 
You know, it's like we would have people all come to this office building instead of a beautiful resort. And then we would show them pictures of beautiful resorts. And then we would show, we would sell them a membership to a club where they could pay to go to those resorts if they wanted to. And that's where I cut my teeth in sales. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It was, it was interesting though, to get 20,000. You were making in commissions. This wasn't sales amount. This was, you were making 20, 25,000 uh, a month. Correct. Well, I, I must tell the rest of the story because the other salespeople were making five to 7,000 a month. There was a night that I went out with the owner of the franchise. He needed some cash. He's like, well, if you can get me $5,000, I'll, I'll give you half of the business. Hmm. And at the time he was making like 10 grand a month. So it wasn't like he was killing it. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I went and stuck my credit card in the machine and pulled out $5,000 and walked over and handed him $5,000 and said, okay, let's do it. Sadly, I didn't have any agreements. So we kicked ass for about 18 months, almost two years. And it went from making every, you know, basically every week we were making profits beyond what he was making monthly before I got in there and started working with him. Yeah. Um, no real reason for that other than it just the chemistry worked. The, gr the group of guys latched on to what we were doing and it, and it took off hmm. um, to the point that he sold it. And when it got sold, I got nothing. Hmm. So I was... What did that, he say? That, like, did you? I'm sure you approached him. Was he like, "Yeah, don't remember"? Like, how did that? Uh, well, you know, I was 21, 20 years old, 21 years old, and uh, maybe 22. I was young, and you know, I, I, he told me what we got was this job in Florida. So I was in Jacksonville, Florida, working in for this this new company that bought our our, our group out, and uh, I was making like 2,500 bucks a month and starving. And I told him, "If if that's all it is, I'm out." So I, you know, I'm. It's one of those situations that I didn't really have any, I didn't know what the deal was that he received. I had no idea. Still to this day, I don't. Yeah. Um, didn't know what his compensation was. All I know that mine wasn't enough for me to survive, so I had to get out of there. So literally in the middle of the night, threw all my clothes in my car in Jacksonville, drove through the night back to my dad's house in Oklahoma, left furniture, TVs, all of my stuff in Florida, and uh, went back to stay with my dad, worked with some buddies for a few months when I got back to Oklahoma, helped them start a, a mail uh, marketing business. They're already doing, um, you know, those things that you, that they probably, you probably never received one, but it's very aggressive marketing to, to low credit people to buy cars because most people with bad credit used to think they couldn't buy cars. Sure. So they marketed that that was their main business. So I, I branched out that business into, um, and I was only there six months, but I got them connected with the Republican party in Oklahoma. And that turned into one of their largest clients. And now they're one of the largest mailing mail, mailing companies in the state of Oklahoma. So they're killing it. And I had a good time there for a few months. And then from that, I went to, uh, to Denver, Colorado, because my cousin um, and my uncle were in the mortgage business. And this was in 2002, 2003, when it's kind of like right now, refis and mortgages, everybody's going crazy. Um, so I moved there to work with them and I hated it. I hated all the I's you had to dot and T's you had to cross. And just, it was just way more detailed than anything I'd ever done. So I started looking for a new job and I, I sold water filtration systems door to door for a while and then got a job with an oil and gas company raising money to drill oil and gas wells. And um, when I walked into the place, there were 20 other guys there trying to sell. Um, six months later, I was the only one standing, including the management and I was the manager. So um, I latched on, did well and, and uh, had a lot of fun with it and kind of been crazy ever since. So that was my, my step off into oil and gas. Very interesting. I, yeah. So yeah. Uh, there's a, there's a, a, a through line with this of decisiveness guy says, Hey, I want to buy, you give me $5,000, give you half the business done at the ATM right there in the bar or wherever it was. Right. Uh, it was a bar. 
Uh, yeah, the bar. Yeah. So Jacksonville to Oklahoma, middle of the night, leave it all there. I'm just, I'm going, I'm deciding. Then to Denver, uh, where you, where you get into the mortgage industry, like where did that come from? This decisiveness? Has that always been you? Is it something that you've developed? Is it something that you learned you should do? I'm just kind of curious where that came from. Cause it seems to have fueled a lot of your success. That is a great question. And I don't have an answer. I've, I've actually have been asked that before and I've thought about it a lot and look back over my life. I, you know, I, I didn't have a lot of choice a lot of times growing up. So, you, you know, you, you, you it's kind of like, you know, the Monday morning quarterback, you get to see what everybody else is doing. And so I, I think that I did, I've developed or did develop early on a, a process of elimination to very quickly get to at least a, a general idea of what I wanted to do. And if I felt that the risk was bearable to go off and do it, I just did it. And well, let's, so yeah, let's dissect that a little bit. What does that look like? What, is, what, what's a, what is a bearable risk for you? Like what, what kind of, you know, like when you start to go down through the process in your mind, I'm sure it's very quick, but like, what are some of the things that have to fall? You say, yes, I'm going to do it. Is it just, it feels good. It's aligned. It makes sense. Is it that simple? Is that broad? Or do you have some specific criteria before you make a decision? I mean, you make it quick, obviously, but kind of curious how you dissect it. And none of that was as quick as it sounds. I mean, those are things that I had had conversations, discussions and information sure. and, and data brought to me or or at least I, I've read or was discussed but the, the general synopsis of my thought process is what is the absolute worst thing that could happen hmm. and is that worse than my current situation or or is it about the same and if that's the worst I could end up uh, you know that starts me off on the okay this is probably okay for me to do what's the upside look like and somewhere in there you start looking at well will I enjoy this is it going to be fun are, are, do I like the people involved? Is it something that I could grow with? Th those are the kinds of things that, that I've thought of in these scenarios over the years. And I, you know, today it's a bunch of different process because it's slower and I'm, I, I'm, a much, I'm much more conservative than I used to be. Sure. But back then I didn't have anything, so it didn't matter. You know, it was just like, okay, well, the worst thing you know, I'm, I'm back here homeless, carless, and you know, with the clothes on my back. We, I don't care didn't bother me. Yeah. So I, I think that was my process of elimination. First, like, what's the worst thing that could happen? What, what is the upside? How, how much fun is it going to be? And how cool are the people? I mean, those were the, my big, the important things to me in my early twenties, you know, I, like, I don't, I just want to have a good time. Yeah. So, you know, even with all that, it was yeah, obviously I, I made some mistakes along the way. Um, <laughs> so. yeah, I was going to say, I, I'm sure, I'm sure you have. And I was going to say, I'm sure there are failures with this next question. I'm sure there are failures that you could speak to and, you know, feel free to share one or two if you'd like to. But the, the other thing I, that I was, I was hearing in your story was that you do have, when it does hit the ability to take something where it is and expand it. So what is that skill? Are you visionary? Are you an integrator? Are you just operationally sort of uh, very skillful? Do you have a natural uh, gift or knack for seeing the potential of something and then lining up the dominoes to make them fall to, to grow a business or grow your net worth or whatever? Like, what is that skill that you have that's allowed you to grow the, the, uh, the, the vacation rental business the way you did um, and all the other businesses that you've been in that we've talked about so far? What is that? What is that? Process efficiency. More, more, and then excitement, enthusiasm, and drive behind it. So, see, see where the delays are, where things are slowing down, what's costing money. Try to eliminate as many of those as you can. You know, take take something that it looks like a, 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 a you know a road going up the side of a mountain and turn it into a freeway on a flat state. Like you want to get to the end game as fast as you can. And then once you determine how to do that, and that's kind of how I, my brain works. Like, okay, what's the fastest way to get there? Once we figure that out, then put all the fuel behind it, excitement, enthusiasm, and then, you know, I jump on the cart in the front and, and go and go with everybody else. So push. 
So who do you dis- who do you hire? Meaning like, so you have that, that's your skill. That's the gift you bring to something like, what do you hire out? Because it's not your thing. Everything else, let's see, accounting, marketing, legal, engineering, <laughs> everything. Anything that has to do with details and, and a deep dive. I mean, I, you know, a lot of guys are in that 20, 30,000 foot range and that's where they like to be. I like to be about 50. And if I get closer than that, my feet burn. And, you know, I just, I, I get, I get bored because I ended up, because my, my, my problem is I'm a little bit of an introvert, but I, but I keep myself pushed out there to be an extrovert and kind of be in front of people. But if I get caught up in doing the detail work in a task, no one will ever see me. I'll come to my office, close the door. I'll be so deep in the weeds that someone can come in and start yelling at me. And I don't even notice they're standing there. I mean, that, that, so I've got to keep myself out of that. And so I hire around that. I know that's, that's I'm slow. I'm not good at it. Um, I make a lot of mistakes and uh, it takes away from the energy and excitement that pushes my businesses forward. I mean, those are that, which is what the value I bring. I mean, no one else can get everyone moving as fast or, or as quickly as I can. So wisdom in that. That makes sense. That, I mean, just get the little I've gotten to know you, that makes a lot of sense. Like you're, you've got a, a, uh, uh, an energy, a posture about you that's very much like, let's go. And I can see people feeding off of that. So if you're stuck in a room somewhere where, you know, you're in the minutia of a spreadsheet or something like that. Yeah. I can see how that's it's not horrible. the best value <laughs> that you could serve to your organization or to people generally. All right, go bros. We have our 2022 couples trip of a lifetime. Here's the deal. When you think romance, the one country that comes to mind, we are talking about Italy. Here is the epic itinerary. Day one. This is April 1st, 2022. We're going to arrive in Florence and take a private transfer to the city center. There we're going to go on a guided walking tour of Florence. We're going to discover all kinds of ancient beginnings where we'll finish the day with a welcome dinner at a local restaurant. Day two. After breakfast, we're going to visit some historic workshops and learn about the ancient Florentine artisanal tradition. Then enjoy a special leather hands-on workshop. In the afternoon, challenge yourself to a hands-on Tuscan food cooking class and then feast on your creations for dinner. Day 3, April 3rd, we're hitting the countryside. In the company of your local art historian guide, visit a Galleria commissioned in 1560. Leonardo da Vinci, Botticelli, Tizzanio, Michelangelo, all have hung out in this joint here after lunch at your leisure travel to the tuscan countryside and check out your hotel and dinner at the inner restaurant day four a full day excursion to siena today soak up the medieval flavor of the city on this walking tour through city center see palazzo Publico, the colorful marble clad cathedral and piazzo del campo one of italy's most beautiful squares then we're going to hit a leisurely bike ride through the vineyards blanketing the surrounding landscape day five we are going to start the day by driving fiat 500 cars along the enchanting roads of gorgeous tuscan countrysides and we're going to land 
in the Bocelli Vineyards. Yes, the Andrea Bocelli. His family is going to serve us wine and, and an incredible meal. Day six, transfer to Rome with a stopover in Orvieto. Orvieto is one of the most striking, memorable, and enjoyable hill towns in central Italy. Less than 90 minutes from Rome, it sits majestically high above a valley floor atop a big chunk of Tufo volcanic stone. After lunch, we continue on to our hotel in Rome's historic center. Day 7. Wake up early and see the Sistine Chapel. Marvel at some of the world's most spectacular works at the Vatican Museums. Then visit St. Peter's Square in its soaring basilica. Of course, we will not miss the iconic Colosseum. The massive amphitheater that accommodated 50,000 spectators were gladiators prepared for battle. Next, be thrilled by a specially arranged visit inside formerly the Temple of Antonius. Here, enjoy a lecture on ancient Rome given by a prominent Roman art historian. Day 8, we reach Tivoli and visit the amazing Hadrian's Villa. After lunch at an enchanting local restaurant, we turn to Rome for a leisurely stroll through the charming neighborhood of Trastevere one of Rome's most authentic and vibrant areas. This epic adventure for you and your significant other covers all internal transfer, incredible, highly rated boutique accommodations. If you're ready to wow your significant other and show him or her how much you really love them, get signed up for Italy 2022. Wrong tribe confounds, the right tribe compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller Tribe of Millionaires, a $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. So how did NASCAR come to be and what happened oh, with God. So I, I used to do a lot of racing myself, dirt car racing, um, had a team and um, a driver for a long time. And um, one weekend we were um, at a race in, I want to say it was Missouri. And it was on a Saturday night. And one of the guys there knew someone at the Na in the NASCAR world. And they were racing in Talladega, Alabama, just, you know, an hour and a half flight away from where we were. And so somebody said, oh, let's go to the NASCAR race. I'm like, okay, let's do it. So we got on the airplane the next morning and went to the NASCAR race. And while we were there, the guys that got us into the race, it was a driver that was managing his own team that was owned by two people uh, from where you're from up in the Boston area. I cannot remember their names, but if I could, you would know them. And uh, so he's like, yeah, they're wanting to get out of this. And this was in, I want to say May, June, something like that. And they're wanting to get out. They're trying to buy the team. I'd like to make it more competitive, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, well, you know, have them send me some, shoot me some numbers. We'll look at it. And kind of go from there so they did and we talked and came to agreement and we bought the team in uh i want to say august or september uh after due diligence and working through everything mm -hmm. and so i bought this nascar team so at the time i bought the team it was a start and park team it was basically a team that got to the racetrack and their sole mission was to make the race okay. make a few laps in the race and then park the car to not wear it out waste money on tires and da, 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 and they ended up making a small profit every week right but i didn't want to do that <laughs> 
<laughs> so, need to be yeah. We just need a race. Like, look, yeah. I'm not going to buy a race team and then park car every race. So, which was probably the worst decision I made because I took something that was making money and started just throwing money at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but God, it was so fun. Yeah. It, uh, when the burn got into seven figures a month though, we, uh, you know, started, I started squealing a little bit and 14 months into that, um, I squealed really hard <laughs> and, uh, we had some great partners that we were talking to Colgate. Uh, speed speed stick brand was the brand that we were working with um lending tree the um a, a bunch of other companies but no one could move fast enough to get the capital into the team fast enough for me to quit spending my money before i just got tired of it so at some point we just pulled the plug did you sell the team that you just hand it off to partner like what did that look? i we sold off the assets i did have a partner part of the assets went to him to a new team um sold the rest of the assets off either negotiated out of the contracts that existed or paid them off, depending on the situation and left out of there without any issues whatsoever, with the exception of one of the people that we sold equipment to never paid us. So we sued them and I have a you know, couple million dollar judgment against them that I was never going to collect probably. Um, but, but yeah, I got out of that with, uh, you know, by the hair of my chinny chin chin to say the least. And, and I, uh, it could have been way worse than it was. Uh, but you know, I just decided that was on get, I was out and went down over a four day period and did it. So you had fun doing it too. I'm sure the, uh, except for the, I'm sure the lawsuit and the after effect did the uh, stay in or, I mean, is he still active in the NASCAR world or not anymore? Not anymore. He was for a while though. And, uh, you know, people always ask me you know, about the NASCAR experience and I tell them and I'm like, I lost more money than most people ever dream of making in their life in, in just, you know, 18 months. And they're like, well, was it worth it? I'm like, absolutely. No question. I would do it again. I spent the weekends like my co-owners, like Roger Penske and uh, Rick Hendrick. And, you know, these guys are billionaires, you know, it's, and, and so that's who you get to spend the weekends with and rub elbows with, you know, obviously that you don't get to spend much time with those guys, but just being able to shake their hand and have a conversation is a big deal because that's not something you get every day. Um, So um, that and just the camaraderie. So I I loved it. It was great. More fun than I've ever had in my life. I had an airplane through that period of time and flew on it so much that once I turned, got finished with the NASCAR team, I didn't fly commercially for almost a year and a half. I was so spent on traveling. So Gave me a whole new perspective on those people that do that and have for 30, 40 years, like yeah. every week flying here and flying there. And on that, you know, you go from an airplane to a helicopter, to a golf cart, to a meeting, to, you know, this nonstop and yeah. guys doing that for 30, 40 years, every, every week. I mean, I, I just, it's amazing that they're able to continue. It's now, a lot. Were you, were you actually flying? Was this a, a prop plane or were you, was it a corporate jet kind of thing? Like what was the, what was that? Oh, uh, well, I had a, just, I had a little jet. <laughs> So, yeah. um, were you, yeah. were you, were you up in the front there? At all? Oh, no, no, no. I, no, I slept. That was when I got to sleep. <laughs> yeah. I, I would literally, you know, I'd leave from my office, um, Thursday afternoon, get to the racetrack in the middle of most of the races that were in the, on the East coast. So get there late, um, have meetings starting at 7am on the East coast the next day. And that would go through the race, the weekend, Sunday, I'd get home about two or 3am on uh, Monday morning, go to my office at 7am Monday morning and work Monday, Tuesday. So that was just the airplane. If I was flying myself, I don't know. I don't know how many times I wouldn't have made it home at some point because I was just so spent. But yeah, but that was, you know, the cool thing about NASCAR is they, they have, uh, especially so before the race, it's not that crazy after the race, everyone wants to get out of there. Fans, team drivers, everybody. Um, so they had helicopters to charter. So you could charter a helicopter to the airport and be gone in you know, 30 minutes from the time the race was over, which was amazing versus the two hours it would normally take to get to the airport. So uh, yeah, it was like awesome. That. 
lot of fun. That, one thing that you and I talked about, and I told you I was going to ask you at the beginning of this before we even started the interview, was a lot of people say, hey, I'm sitting on a gold mine. But you're actually sitting on a gold mine. Can you explain that a little bit? What the heck is that? I've never heard of this before. So you own a gold mine or your company owns a gold mine, whatever. Can you explain what that is? I own, I own with my partners a gold mine um, that is in Oregon. And um, there are lots of gold mines in Oregon and California, obviously. Um, But it's not something that you think about. And until I got into it, I was whenever somebody, the first time I heard about it, I was like, what? Why? why?" You know, because all the gold mines you see are these giant ones in South Africa. And, you know, and that's not what this is. This is more along the lines of what you see on the uh, Gold Rush show. More, if you ever seen that, it was a big no, show. I haven't, they, I haven't, okay, a well, lot. Most people have seen that. I don't know where you've been living in a hole, Jamie. Right here, Goodness. right here, That's... interviewing people like you. That's it. That's okay, okay, but yeah, more, more. It's just simple. So you have trucks moving dirt, dirt going into a. a oh God, I can't even think right now what the process is called. Anyway, so a <laughs> trommel, and then it washes off uh, on a sluice, and then you take the carpet off the sluice and go back to a room and clean it out and find the gold. It's a, it's a lot. And so most gold mines are, are quite large. Ours is small. It's uh, only 55 acres, uh, but has, uh, as of the last report we had done, it was like $213 million worth of gold um, in the dirt. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. yeah. And I'm trying to sell it for a whopping 25 million. So, you know, not, not, um, not a bad deal. If anybody's interested, just let me know. Yeah. It's yeah. on the market right now. Uh, but yeah, it was one of those situations where I bought into it when oil crashed in 2014, 2015, um, because we needed something to do, um, because nothing was happening in the oil and gas world. So we bought into a small piece. Some events happened where the people in it didn't, that owned the majority weren't taking care of their piece of it. Um, so we basically just came in and took over the whole thing and which is a story of my life. I've done that several times because I just can't, can't, I can't quit. I have a hard time quitting. So well, that's, that's the question I wanted to ask you kind of at the heart of this. Like, when did you realize you were an entrepreneur? When did this happen? Do you have that lemonade stand story or was it later in life? I mean, it feels like you're a, you're sort of a, a born entrepreneur, but when did you realize you had that itch that you couldn't work for somebody else? You had to do this on your own. When I was eight years old, my cousin and I walked in a hobby shop and saw one of those rockets that you you know, build and then shoot off. And I was only there for three days. So I wanted the rocket. He wanted the rocket. So uh, we convinced his dad to give us a bunch of paper towels and some Windex and went to the restaurant next door and people would come to go to lunch and we'd be like, Hey, wash your windows. You can tip us. So we made enough money in one day to go get the rocket, get to shoot it off. That was my first business deal. I was probably eight. So obviously my, my grandparents were entrepreneurs. My dad's had his own businesses here and there. And I've seen that my whole life. I W2 pay. I mean, I can't remember the last time that happened. I honestly can't. It's been so so long and it was never traditional it was always like the jobs that i had were w2 commission only <laughs> so it, was, it wasn't your standard job yeah. i've never had a salary above like 60 grand a year in my life um whatever i've made beyond that has been in commission or just you know profit so i've uh it's the only way i know how to live i guess and i don't know what the first thing the first time i realized it was but because it seemed like every time I would get into a situation and into a company or, or a job, I would very quickly escalate into more than that. And um, it, it almost, it ha- whether I wanted it to or not, it just happened. And um, so I can't tell you a specific time. It was almost every time and, and almost every scenario. I, I worked at a car dealership and sold cars for a couple of months when I was in college for, for a summer. And uh, walked in, never sold a car in my life, walked out, top salesman that month. The guys begged me and begged me to stay and 
oh, we'll put you on track to be in finance and be a manager. And those guys made good money back then. And uh, I'm like, nope, see you later. I mean, my dad was in the car business, so I had no desire to do that. But um, it just seemed like that happened in everything I did. And it wasn't, you know, I don't know. I can't tell you why. And I don't feel like anything special. It just, it just is what it is. It's what happens. Uh, you've created quite a special, uh, a special life, a special organization or the companies that you've built. Uh, on the sales side, that's the second time you talked about, like you said, at least two that I know of now, uh, where you kind of went in and blew it up. Do you have a couple of things? That, are, there, are there specific tactics or uh, ways that you feel as though sales should be done or that's led to your success? Or is it, is it tactical? Is it just who you are? I'm kind of curious if you have any, any advice to share. You know, I, I, if you believe in what you're doing, it makes it real easy. And, you know, one of the things I learned early on is, is the, is the less complex you can make, whatever it is, no matter how complicated it actually is, if you can make something simple uh, that people can understand, you can sell it and you can sell a lot of it. And, um, so the whole, keep it simple, stupid, which everybody says all the time, like literally I live by that. And I, I try not to add any parts and pieces to things, which doesn't work very well in relationships, by the way. Um, but I try to keep it as simple as I can, as few words as possible, as little effort as possible, and a lot of excitement. You know, that, that's it. And, and always tell people the whole, just the whole story, like the good, the bad, the ugly, and you have to cover the whole basis. Um, or, or, you know, for me, at least, I can't, or I don't feel good about it. So, um, and if I don't feel good about it, it doesn't happen. So it's a lot, for me, it's a lot just... Um, emotion, passion, and, and discipline, because it's, uh, when you get all excited about something, you want to talk, 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 talk. Um, so if you can discipline yourself to not do that, but when you do speak, speak very specifically about things that matter, um, upside, downside, et cetera, it works. And yeah. it just, it draws people in. And I got very good at training other people how to do the same thing. Um, and setting a process up for whatever it was, um, raising money for oil and gas development isn't very complicated. Uh, but what the problem is, is if you ever had a geologist or an engineer come talk to you about a project, um, you would leave confused. And, you know, if I come talk to you, you'll, you'll at least understand what's happening from that. You can do what you want, but that's the whole thing It's taking piles and piles of data and compiling that into one page. I like that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Distilling it down, right? Making that's it, it. Keep it, keeping it simple, as you mentioned, and, and still I, being able to cover the bases, right? I mean, that's the most yeah. important part of it. No, and I see that. I mean, just from the again, a couple of times that we've met. I mean, you're you're really easy to to be around. I mean, you're definitely a you're a big personality, high energy kind of guy. But it's not you're not in, you know you're really easy to kind of get get infected by, if you will. Not, I hope not literally, but you know what I'm saying. The, uh, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> no, I'm just gonna leave that one alone. We'll leave that there. But to your point, yeah, I think you, you know you're you've you've you you efficiently sort of explain things. I asked you before about the gold mine, and you told me before it was just like three bullets, like what sounded like this huge, worldly, complicated thing to me. You distilled it down to two, three bullets. Like, oh, okay, I can see I own a gold mine now. But I wanted to put that out there for all the world to hear. So <laughs> I could have made that one even simpler. You can take a shovel and a bucket and and and, and a, a pan. A, a pan, a pan. All you need is a pan. Shovel, bucket, and a pan. That's all you need. And if you did that, my gold mine, no matter where you pick the bucket up, you're going to find some gold. So I like that's, it. it's I like cool. It. Yeah. Sneak in in the middle of the night and get some gold. All right. Yeah, let's, uh, Welcome shift to. Over, let's shift over to the one sheet. We're going to go pillar by pillar through all the six pillars of abundance and learn a little bit more about you. So let's start with uh, horizontal income. We were talking a little bit about this before. Uh, so I'll ask, what is your horizontal income? I know most of it gets funneled back to your companies, but just generally speaking, what's your horizontal income and how many lines or how many streams is that for you? 
I'm, I, pretty much all of my income is horizontal. And, you know, I own interest in a few hundred oil wells. Um, and those are owned in different partnerships, LLCs, and, and corporations. So how many lines? I, I'm not exactly sure. I, I believe it's like 45 entities that uh, flow up to me um, that I get K-1s from and oh, or just flow straight up. Say. That's fun uh, I have a count. full-time crew. <laughs> so <laughs> I have three full-time. But yeah, it's a lot. Uh, it's a lot. And plus, we manage most of that. So, exactly. so we're managing it every month. As far as the numbers go, it varies, especially over the last three or four years. But it's um, two or three million a year. And if things are really good, it's it's you know it's it's in the high seven figures, low eight figures. If uh, when things were really bad, um, like last year, then you're you're in the low uh, six figures. So it kind of just varies around depending on oil price and uh, what's happening in the market. So that's that most sense. everything is is tied to oil and gas. I also have trucking and disposal well companies, but they're in the oil and gas field, so they're directly impacted by the price so on so yep no gotcha from a debt standpoint do you have a sense of what your debt to net worth ratio is or just generally your feelings on not feelings but how you structure debt within your businesses is it something where you keep a certain you know you try not to go over a certain ratio or are you leveraging as much as you can right now given the environment a year ago today i had zero percent debt um all cash and all assets um today i have about uh seven percent Okay. And um, I only did that because last year was so horrific. We had to have it for cash flows to pay for things. So, you know, just got got to that point. And historically, I have been against it very much, which thank goodness, because if I had been able to get the debt in 2013 and 14 on my oil and gas assets that other companies got, um, I think the number ended up being close to $1 trillion hmm. that they wrote off in bankruptcies. In 2015 and 2016, I had zero to do with that because we had, at the time, I think we had $70 million in revenue and $3 million in debt. Now, if I had gotten what I wanted, though, it would have been $100 million in debt. Now, the revenue would have been much larger, but sure, sure. you get yeah, the gist. So, I so I, you know, today where we are, I've actually got a new bank relationship that we developed last year that we're going to start doing more debt-loaded projects uh, where, where we're going to be basically 75% LTV going in with 25% equity. It's going to be kind of like fix and flip money. So, but at 5%, so, so that's part, that part's great, but um, you know, yeah. buying, buying old oil assets, improving them. So the cash coming in will be for a, uh, the, the, the down payment percentage, or if you will, our, our percentage of equity and um, upgrades and improvements. And then like from that, the rest will be debt. But with that improvement piece, we should be able to go and increase the value of these assets by two or 300%. Well, that's the thing. You've got a proven model, proven team, right? Within the industry. So you're staying kind of in that lane and aggressively swinging. You're, you're, you're okay, let, let me take this, integrate it, put my systems, processes, and energy around it, move, you know, increase the value, move on, right? So bringing it in at a 75% loan to value makes sense because you know that you're going to stay at that debt load with a much higher valuation in a year, two, three years or something. It, it should end up about 25%. And honest, and the way those are set up is they're on four-year uh, four-year um, principal and interest, so to be paid off in four years, about the time you're going to be selling it anyway. Sure. So it should should work pretty well. Um, but that's well. something we have never done that way. Um, but I'm excited about it because it's it's where the market is right now in oil and gas. So well, like you said, uh, uh, what's the worst that can happen? Is it worse than your current situation? And it sounds like both of those kind of check check. You're ready to go on to the next one. So very cool. What percentage of your net worth is 
is businesses, real estate, crypto. Can, do you have a, a kind of a breakdown or is it all in on, on the, the business that you own? As it's all in right now, everything's all in on what we own. I mean, I, I have a, a pretty large stake, I think three or $4 million stake in a nutrition company that, uh, and beyond that, most all of it's oil and gas, whether it's wells or related businesses surrounding oil and gas. Um, the nutrition company, if you don't mind me asking. It's called Nutrition 53. Nutrition 53, the product that they make that you probably have heard of, if you've heard of anything, is Lean One. They sell at Smoothie King. Lean One is their main product. So when we had our NASCAR team, that's when all that started. I bought into that company to get sponsorship for the NASCAR team. Nice. nice. <laughs> oh, I don't know. One of those brilliant things. And uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Bill Romanowski owns that company or uh, is the primary founder. Um, he was an NFL football player, linebacker. Oh, I remember Bill. Yeah. Intense fun guy. He, you ought to get a phone call from him when he needs something. Um, talk bet. about intensity. I just laugh. I'm just like, Did you, is this how you do things? <laughs> no, he's a great guy. He's a lot of fun. And then, um, you know, you just never know what you're going to get. So yeah, sure. Sure. No, he is definitely a high, a high, uh, a high intensity, high motor guy. No doubt about yep. it. Just from afar, you can tell that. So all right, let's jump over to age defying uh, health. What is your current weight and body fat percentage? Oh man. Um, so I'm about 230, which is about the same I was in Tahoe, which is literally 20 pounds heavier than I was in December. 20 pounds heavier than you were in December? Yeah. Okay. I gained 20 pounds from December to March. And all, it's supposedly all muscle because I stopped running and started oh. lifting. I was going to say, you um, eating a lot of pizza or what? So no, you're But my body fat has gone from like 14 or 12 to 14%. And now it's like 18 or 20. And it's really, I've been having a struggle to get back. So right now, uh, I'm 19% body fat, 230 pounds, and I'm 42. Yeah. Yep. So, right. trying to trying to work it down. I guess, yeah, like you said, you go through these phases. I have the same thing happen, not at your size, obviously, but it's like, well, I, I, I don't like the weight I'm at, but I, I kind of like the muscles that I built on myself. But then when you convert back, it's like, it's just it, like, it's like, you burn both, yourself. right? You cut a little fat and you cut the muscle. So it's like, what you know, I'm trying to find that balance. Well, what so. are you doing with that? What's the diet like? What's the exercise routine? Like? So I've actually recently switched my diet to uh, back to all meat, um, carnivore. And, uh, and I'm fasting for 18, 20 hours a day and eating for six to, you know, four to six hours a day right wow. now. Yeah. Four to six. So you'll, you'll fast to what, like noon, eat till four or five o'clock or something like that. So like, out? yeah, something like that. So last night I, I didn't, I had one meal yesterday at eight o'clock. And so I had my first meal today, uh, about an hour ago. Hmm. So three o'clock my time and then I'll have dinner when I get home and that'll be the end of it. So, wow. um, it just depends if I get hungry, I eat, you know, but yeah, if you eat lean is. ground Turkey or a hamburger patty. It doesn't do much for you anyway. So yeah, 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 yeah. That's fine. So do you, do you do any, there's like zero carbs in your diet right now? Right now. Yeah. Wow. Right now. That's, that's pretty intense. Good for you, man. That's incredible discipline. Cause, uh, that much time going without eating. Like I, I guess I fast till noon and then I eat till like seven o'clock, but then it ain't it's not much different. Long. Yeah, I guess. I guess they're sleeping there. It's, yeah. It's yeah, not much right. different. You're not that impressive. Never it's mind. Not, I, thought, I thought you were more impressive than you were. I'm going to I'm gonna draw that back <laughs> a little bit. Not all that impressive. So. <sighs> How about family? So currently, what is, what's the family situation? Girlfriend, wife, kids, all that good stuff. We're going to have two ex-wives and two kids with one of those and a girlfriend that lives with me. So, yeah. I... How old are your kids? Uh, my oldest is five and my youngest is three. Two boys. Boys, lots of energy. Mine are about the same, six and three. So, uh, yeah, it's fun. I, I enjoy them, but boy, you want to knock their heads together sometimes too. So, it can wear you out really quick. That's so for sure. Down. Life happiness wise, what number is your life happiness index currently? Uh, around a six. 
right. What's one area that you're working on improving from a happiness perspective? Um, so, you know, I've, um, I've really focused the last uh, three years, two and a half years on my health and made great progress on that. As we talked about, I got my body fat down at one point to a, around 10% and uh, my weight down around 208, um, which I'm 6'2", so I, I look pretty skinny. Um, yeah. So, you know, now I'm trying to focus on having a life because for a long time, for, for, for about 10 years, I worked 24-7 and never did anything else. Didn't have friends. And at that time, I didn't have kids. So my life was far different. So my, my thing that I'm working on right now the most is trying to reach out, be more proactive with uh, friends, GoBros, go and, and anyone else. I'm actually doing a trip with some guys from, that I haven't seen since junior high. We're in a place that I live. We're all together later this month. So I'm, I'm really putting effort into, uh, you know, and being more, more president and being more um, involved with, with friends instead of just work. All the time. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. At some point, you got to enjoy the the trappings of your success, right? Especially, I know last year you mentioned it was a tough year for you. You're past that now, and you know, hopefully, you can enjoy some some downtime. <laughs> we all need it. We all need it. Looking, about, looking forward to it. Absolutely. How about contribution? Do you have a percentage you give back? Is there an amount you give back? Is there a specific charity you like to donate to, or anything like that? No, nothing specific. I kind of do what feels right, and uh, you know, I get sucked into a lot of charity auctions and events of, of that nature, and. You know, some of that as you go to those things and you, maybe you spend five grand on a, on a table and you think that's what you're going to spend. And then you end up spending $100,000 on auction items because you just have fun and get wrapped up in it. So I just kind of do whatever feels right. And, uh, and that's what I've always done. Uh, Love it. Yeah, nothing specific. No, makes sense. Makes sense. Give where you can give. Uh, from an accountability standpoint, you just started a GoPod, I heard. I don't know if I want to say I started it. Wow, you just started um, in a GoPod. How's that? But there were two guys that were supposedly <laughs> in a GoPod that no one else ever came to, and they never had meetings, and that I made myself part of that group. Um, I actually have a GoPod group that I've been with since I started, but I always miss the meetings because they're on Monday, and Mondays are crazy for me, yeah. uh, middle, especially middle of the day. So I always, it seems like I have a hard time making. I've made a couple. The guys are great, um, but I haven't got to know them that well. Uh, my new GoPod with... Uh, <laughs> With Joe and Paul, it's you know I've gotten to know those guys more in a couple of weeks than than anybody else in, in GoBundance, and it's because we we have a text string going. We're constantly throwing ideas, concept questions back and forth to each other, and had a had a great time with that. And so you know that's an area that we're talking about. I'm going talking about going to visit uh, those guys when DC and Philly, and uh, just you know trying to trying to expand my world a little bit. That's cool. Yeah, the uh, meeting in person helps, right? I know you met them in Atlanta, so it's nice to kind of press the flesh and get to know the person a little bit, not just through a Zoom call, which is always beneficial. So I'm sure that helped in connecting the three of you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what's the biggest business goal you have for the next year? You're talking about personal, but what is a big business goal that you have this year? Uh, my my biggest goal is to... I've been working for, for, for several years on redirecting the focus of our company, my company, because... The world's changed. The way that everything works has changed, especially in the last two years, uh, but over the last five. And so slowly but surely, we've been upgrading, working on new things. So my my goal between now and the end of the year is to have a, a specific direction for the company to go and get it moving that way as fast as it can possibly move. And we're, we're coming in on the final stages of that right now as far as the planning and, and pointing. Um, and then once we get the, the, the target identified, we're going to push our acquisitions like we talked about earlier is a big part of it. That's something we've been talking about and working on conceptually for about a year. Um, put some offers in on some deals, didn't get them. I'm glad we didn't because we weren't ready yet anyway. So um, we're, we're now to the point where we're tuned up and ready for that. And 
uh, once that happens, it's it's who knows where we'll end up. You know, it's you yeah. I I'm excited to see. Love it, love it. All right, well, let's wrap this up with a question from the GoBundance card deck. This is a deep one. Ten of hearts. <laughs> Here's the answers. Have you ever sold your soul, or at least sold out on anything? No. No. It's no. So jobs you've taken, anything like that, never, 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 uh, never did it for the wrong reasons, and it backfired, or anything like that. Not that I can remember. No, I mean that was uh, no. Uh-uh. That's not that I can think of. Worldview yeah. for me is I don't believe in the word regret, and that's it. Sounds hey, like you what kind of you are. Right. Uh-huh. You, you had the NASCAR team. You were throwing seven figures a month at it. It was a big loser, but you wouldn't change it. It was, it was, it shaped some of who you are today. You learned from, it. you had some fun doing it. You, you know, you traveled a bit and all that stuff. So I actually like that answer quite a bit. That, thanks for being honest with that. Cause that could have been an easy, like, well, let me think of something here that's creative, but that was the, that's a good answer. No. Life without regrets is the only way to live life. Otherwise you're really not getting everything out of it. Readable moment, my friend. Let's let's do this. What is the best way for people to learn more about you? Fi- you know, follow you or learn more about your companies. Just call me. That's probably the easiest way. Um, obviously, uh, Swan Energy Inc. Uh, is the website for my company. There's information there about us, what we do. You know, obviously, I'm very Googleable um, with all the things that have happened over the years, uh, good and bad. It's out there. But uh, you know, my cell phone number for all the GoBundance people. It's seven one nine three three seven zero four two three. Just text me, call me, and we can chat about whatever. You know, it's one of those things that uh, one of my, my new GoPod members at some point said, oh, I want to do some business with you. And I said, look, I don't, I, uh, if we do business, that's great. I said, but I would rather talk shit and have a good time than worry about doing business. If business happens, that's awesome. But otherwise, you know, it's the camaraderie that I'm looking for. So I explain that to people happens. when they ask about GoBundance. I'm like, look, yeah, the business, the money side kind of happens, but it's it, more yeah. about the adventures and the camaraderie and getting together, the fellowship. So it's cool yes. that you say that, yeah. Very yeah, cool. I mean, it's, it's, it's the truth. It's the way it is. So. I love it. A lot yeah, of fun. Well, thanks for being so generous with your time today, brother. I can't, I can't, I'm going to see you in Steamboat? I don't know. I actually was just talking about that with my staff. I'm trying to decide if I want to do that. I, I have a couple of trips planned in the next couple of weeks, and we're getting busy. So uh, we'll, we'll kind of see what happens. But if so, I'll make sure and say hello. And uh, I, I appreciate you putting me on. This is kind of cool. I, I need to go back and listen to the other one so I have a, a clue as to how stupid I sound or how great I sounded here in this one. So... Um, time will tell, I guess. You sounded great. You sounded <laughs> thank great. you. Thank you. Course, all the help course. I can get. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate you. Thanks for coming on today. All right, man. Take care. The wrong tribe confounds. The right tribe compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller, Tribe of Millionaires, a $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. Thank you for tuning in to the GoBundance Podcast. We hope to see you at a live event in the near future. If you're new to us, here's a quick explanation of our programs. Number one, Emerge, a web-based journey for millionaires to be. Number two, Ascend, an interactive mastermind, the next stage of our journey. Number three, GoBundance Elite, the original tribe of millionaires. Number four, GoBundance Champions, five million net worth and above. Number five, GoBundance Women, a tribe of amazing badass women. For detailed information on all five of these, simply find us at GoBundance.com. Until then, grab life big.